You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 539. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we begin our discussion of the Netflix sci-fi mystery series, Bodies. Bodies! Yeah, man. You've listened to the song by now, right? Uh, I have not. No. Okay. I know. You'll have to send me a link in uh, Facebook message, right. and I'll... Uh, check it out there but uh yeah so excited to talk about bodies and as we've been mentioning for the last couple of weeks if you have not seen the entire six episode series stop turn, turn right now just exactly shut, just close it down yep. come back after you see it all okay now reminder we typically record on mondays so any feedback's got to be in sunday 6 p.m eastern time and if you're going the audio format a strict six minute time limit and uh the boys uh ran right up against the limit this week which is always good so yeah. uh all right you know no one thing i was gonna say and and, and i'm not, i'm gonna be quick and i'm what i'm watching this week because we got a lot to talk about with bodies but you know, we, we, we said we're going to spoil stuff, and and I guess what I realized re-watching episode one, and I've seen it now four times because I watched it twice the mm. first time, once on my own and then once, you know, with my wife. Um, you know, there's a lot that, you know, I remember, but I don't exactly remember. Yeah, same. And, and I decided, no, I'm not going to look stuff up and put it in my notes. So... Just kind of rediscovering stuff organically, you know, I mean, Fred and Alan bring some things up in their feedback and and that's cool because, yeah, that's fine. But just personally, that's the way I'm approaching it. Yeah. um, As I was watching this, I was like, oh, should I just go straight through and watch the whole series again? Because there's there's like um, with like Syed, for example, like like I I couldn't quite remember how he fit into everything except for being like the catalyst that brings Hassan and um, what's his name? Elias together. Right. Right. Sure. But then, you know, and then, but you know, as actually by the end of the, of the episode, I, I kind of remembered like how, like, you know, who everyone was and their relationship to everything else. So it was very, very complex. Because the when you get into the Mannix family, it's it's like they you know it's like what Jeff Foxworthy said about well he used to he used to do the thing about rednecks he's like if if you if your family tree doesn't branch you might be a redneck right or <laughs> yeah. in this case we'd say you might be a Mannix yeah exactly exactly and because their family tree does not have lots of branches it kind of is a straight line so. so. All right, well, let's get to what we're watching, and I, I want to pose a question. I, I'm okay. wondering whether or not anybody is watching Beacon 23 on MGM+, Plus, which stars Lena Headey from Game of Thrones and, and, of course, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, because it keeps popping up every time I pause my direct TV and it goes to a screensaver now, which I you know has been right. the, the thing for the last few years, which is cool. But I mean, it looks like it's sci-fi. I didn't really do any research on it. Have do you, you not seen have it? To you have MGM extra? Plus. I do have MGM. I don't have that one. Oh, you don't? Okay. Yeah. Nah, right. Nah. Yeah, I have so. actually got to get rid of some of these these things for the for at least for a little bit. Okay. So it's well, Christmas yeah. Season. I'm like, I 
got to tighten the belt a little bit, get some rid of some of these streaming services I don't use quite as much as others. Yeah, I hear you. So, yeah, so anyway, if anybody's watching it, curious to hear what you think about it, post in the Facebook group. We just finished season 10 of the French crime drama Murder in Paris, which I'm sure I've mentioned before. The actual title is Profilage, which means profiling in French, but you know, I guess the American you, audiences. Yeah, you can definitely see why they would that would not work for <laughs> yeah. a dumbass American audience. Yeah. And, and the <laughs> cool thing about this is it the, the series has always paired a female criminalist with this grizzled detective to solve crimes, you know, employing traditional methods, but paying more attention to the psychological and behavioral components involved in a possible crime or a possible suspect. So after 10 seasons, we're on our third criminalist at this point. And this one's more of a behavioralist. And the, the, the interesting thing is that uh, she's become part of the team because apparently she was a con artist in her previous life and her, her uncle is, you know, he's, he's the, you know, inspector general. I don't know. I forget what his title is, but he runs the, the precinct where our characters work. So he's basically given her the, the option of working with my team or going to prison. So, you know, she works with the team and, and of course she's kind of reborn. And, uh, so it's really cool. Apparently there is an 11th season, but it always takes a while to, to get to one of the U S streaming services. All right. What do you got? Um, well, last week I, I watched, I didn't bring up the loads of other stuff, but I watched, uh, the Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. I believe might have surpassed crystal skulls as by, least favorite indiana jones movie now but uh you know it was i don't know like i i i, I feel like i'm probably gonna sound like an ageist when i just say that i don't think harrison ford should be doing action films anymore you know um you know the scenes where you see like indy like really running and stuff you know it's like not actually him you know so it's and it's just i feel like i just couldn't get it out of my mind you know like i guess having parents in their 80s or a parent i guess now i should say um I'm just thinking, like, my God, I'm so worried about him all the time. Not as Indiana Jones. I'm worried about Harrison Ford, the actor. Like, dude, please be 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 careful there, man. But overall, it was, you know, solid, I guess, Indiana Jones adventure. Though they, you know, like, I, I just, as I was watching, I just felt like, you know, I think it probably would have been better. I mean, I know there were rumors of, like, Chris Pratt was going to, they were going to restart the whole franchise with a new actor i think that probably would have been a good idea absolutely but, you know like and i think they i mean it's obviously they will right i mean it's as inevitable as the sunrise that they're going to reboot the whole series with a, a newer younger actor who can play for the next you know 40 years or so i guess but um but still you know a solid movie of course you know harrison ford is still great uh, he and he's still awesome, and you know, Indiana Jones is an older guy now, kind of on his own. Uh, there's brings some nuance to the character that really hasn't hasn't necessarily been a lot of nuance to the character of Indiana Jones in the past. Um, they did start off with a de aging scene, which was always kind of painful to watch. I mean, technology is great, but you still you're painfully aware that 
you know, we're watching a computer-generated, basically, Harrison Ford here that make him look like uh, he's, you know, 20 years old rather than 80. So um, I guess probably maybe 30 years old. It went back to World War II, so. So, yeah, that's that. And then uh, I actually finally uh, went back to Leverage Redemption. Oh. Yeah, which is, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's like this great show. It should win all kinds of awards or anything. But, you know, Dean Devlin does a great job, especially with ensemble casts. And he really knows how to – he is a very, very good writer. Um, though a lot of the stuff that obviously happens in Leverage is almost ludicrously unbelievable. But at the core, just like kind of like the librarians, right? Even when the librarians was wildly fantastic, like we still really enjoyed like the central characters, right? Sure. And and that was kind of like what tied that series together. So it, it's just like with the librarians, just like with um, – leverage and now leverage redemption you know those those characters at the core of it are really great they, they get a really good cast uh and so you really it, it's it's a, it's an enjoyable show is it a great show i don't i don't know if i call it great is it enjoyable absolutely and I, i'm pretty sure it came out like a couple months ago but i'm just getting around to it now and i have to watch commercials because it's on some streaming service but actually the commercials aren't too bad mm-hmm. with it there's well, only maybe a you know, two, three minutes worth of commercials. Well, I like how some of them, they, they give you the little digital readout for how long the commercial break's going to be. Right. I, I do appreciate that, right? right? I feel like I can get through it if I see that. Well, you can go do something if you need to get, a, you know, a new drink or whatever. Right. So. Well, that's the thing. And that's actually kind of the genius of, I, you know, I, I can't remember what streaming service it is. Um, I, I can watch it through Amazon Prime, but it's brought from another service or whatever. But the 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 breaks are just like usually like a minute thirty, so it's really not time to get up or anything. Yeah, good point. I mean, obviously you hit the pause button, but you know, like I I feel like a minute thirty. Okay, that's I doable. Can, I can sit through this, right? It's not not a big deal. Um, whereas some like you get something that's like three minutes or two and a half minutes, you're like, ah man, forget that. Yeah, go and do something else or get up. You know, walk around for a little bit come back which is not the point right the point is they want you to sit there and watch it so if you go too far people don't watch it but if you have a nice like minute minute 30 okay i can do that i'll watch your commercial all right well speaking of time why don't we get two bodies yeah all right episode one season one titled you're dead already written by paul tomalin directed by marco cruz paintner the series was released on Netflix October 19th, 2023. Now, uh, there's no point in me asking if you like this episode because we've certainly talked about this series a, l- a little bit, and, and obviously we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't really like it. So, um, you know, the w- one thing that – You would think that, but every now and then. Yeah, true. But <laughs> this one's based on a 2015 DC Vertigo graphic novel written by Cy Spencer, and for me, I, I really get the sense that they're trying to capture that graphic novel sense with the Absolutely. split screens. And yeah, I think yeah, yeah. they do it to great effect. Yeah. And, and they don't overdo it, you know, where it's like, hey, look what we're doing. You know, like they really I think they worked it in very well. So. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, a plus for, you know, that idea. 
Um, you know, we go from 2023 to 1941 to 1890 and then to 2053. And as an experienced watcher of sci-fi, I'm writing down the intervals between the, you know, the different time leaps and, and all right, there doesn't seem to be any kind of a connection to how much time elapses. Yeah. That's what I first, I thought when I tried to like, I didn't even bother with the math this time, but I remember when I first watched it, I kind of worked it out. I'm like, it doesn't really seem like it makes, I'm sure someone who actually is good at math could probably say, well, it's like, you know, if you take the Fibonacci number and apply it to it, or something like that. Like, <laughs> I, to me, I it's knew just you were like, going to say that. Just... <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's cool. Um, you know, we're introduced to that slogan, know you are love, uh, first in 1941, uh, and, and of course later we learn it's that 2053 slogan and acronym, K-Y-A-L. But the other thing that that's, I don't want to say it's easy to miss because it's really not easy to miss. I don't think certainly if you watch the episode more than once, and I suspect a lot of listeners are going to do that, but they introduce so many social issues and we've talked numerous times about the fact that we don't appreciate being bludgeoned over the head with certain things. I don't, I don't feel like they do that here. No, no. And, you know, and Fred mentions it, that each, each of our detectives in one way or another is kind of like like an outsider, right? Yeah. Though I guess not so – oh, I can't remember the 2053 girl. Well, she has a physical – uh, Disability. A disability. I don't, I don't know how to say it. Anymore. Right, but right. Yeah, right. So, um, but, so that doesn't necessarily per se make her an outsider, but it makes her different from other people. Right. You know, she – Right. And, um, I mean, well, as the others are like straight up, I mean, they're not outcasts because all of them are accepted, you know, as fellow police officers, but yet they do keenly feel a sense of, of outsiderness, you know? Well, right. I mean, we certainly are keenly aware of the anti Jewish sentiment, particularly in the 1941 yeah. episode, and, and as if it's not enough that we know Hitler and Nazi Germany is rounding up Jews and putting them in concentration camps. You know, Whiteman's own colleagues, well, some of them are, are, are you know, not even subtle no. that, that I don't even know why they let you Jews in the force. So, you know, we certainly see that. Um, the the opening sequence where you know we're in 2023 with detective shahara hassan and i don't know about you i think alan mentions it in his feedback i i was a little thrown off watching the the this protest that yeah, you know like the, the national front yeah right and, and then all of a sudden there's knights templar on horseback yeah. and i'm thinking like okay cool time travel but that's of course not what it is in this no, scene, no, not at all. right? Even though the series does end up, uh, you know, being a time travel story, we don't necessarily know that but yet. You just like see like Donald Trump watching this and being like really keen on that opening scene, be like, "Hey, I like these guys," and then all of a sudden, it's like, ah, there's, there's thinking and stuff involved here. Forget it, <laughs> right? And, and, and of course, the detective in 2023 that we follow is, is a Muslim. So she's got to go to this rally. Yeah. And y- y- you know that scene where uh, 
her boss interrupts her father's birthday party to ask her if she will go and talk to the suspect's sister because you're both Muslim. Yeah. And on the one hand, you want to say like, dude, you, you know, you're, you're so racist, but you know, what we learn about him and his relationship with Hassan, I think it's anything, but it's just that he understands this is our best bet to find this suspect. Well, but also Dave, he needs her on this case. He knows what's going on, right? <clears throat> He's in on it. He he has to manipulate her to bring her and Elias Mannix together. Well, true. That That is true. So, so there's, I mean, we don't see, that. and uh, I think Fred mentioned it, like it's very difficult this early on that, to see his uh, diabolical side because we don't really see that till later. I mean, when we see it, we see it, but- you know, right now it seems like he really is that they're just good. Not only is he her boss, but they're really good friends, and he really cares for her. But it's all it's all a sham, right? He's just part of this network that you know, like the, his job is to make sure that <clears throat> that Hassan meets Elias, that she's the one on the case, that she's the one chasing Elias down. And you know, and and that's such an interesting idea that even having seen the entire series i'm not sure i have a real good handle i I know what my wife thinks and she and i really disagree on that we know how elias ends up in 2053 you know with uh der leader and his you know image projected on the sides of walls and, and 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 you know while we don't necessarily know how repressive the society is we certainly do get an orwellian feel absolutely yeah yeah that's the one like i think uh fred says something about how which you know time period appeals to you the most and the one we really understand the least at this point is the 2053 because we get that's the one we get very very little of that we don't see much of it but you're right what we get seems pretty Orwellian is a good word for it, actually. Right. But then my question is, because we're given all of these hints of you know social issues like the anti-Jewish sentiment, the, the anti-gay, uh, even in the 1890s scene, what strikes me is, yes, the thing with Hillingshead and the photographer, but that opening scene where the little boy is arrested and the mother yeah. is just distraught. And she says, we're hungry. Yeah. And, and, and that abject poverty that, yeah. again, we know what London life was like for so many of the poor at, at this time period. So, you know, given all of those things, did he start out with this grand vision to truly make things better, but then as often happens, things just go awry and, you know, we're left with well, the 2053. I would, I would, I would say to the contrary, I, I think 2053 is exactly what he, he wanted, right? That's exactly what they were, um, well, what they were actually what they were hoping for and what they did get. 
was in 2023, the bomb goes off and kills millions of people. So it has to usher in this new society and his grand vision okay. that we get in, in 2053. So, but here, here's something ironically that as I'm actually, as I was listening to this, the feedback, it kind of came to me is that, um, cause we're going to see Elias Mannix through many eras and many incarnations, right? From, and, and he's, he's in every, you know, he's the only one who's in all the years. Well, except for Gabe, the body, right? Right. Um, and so he starts off as a boy. And at this point, we get a feeling like I, I think he doesn't really know anything that's going on, right? Things are being manipulated around him, but he doesn't know what's going on. He's going to cause the big destruction. He will grow up to be the boss leader guy. Well, I don't think he's a leader. He's something like the head of police or something, right? And then we'll go back in time. So really, you know, where he's at in 2053, even though that is the historically the furthest along, that's the guy who knows the least of like actually what's going on, right? The guy who knows it the most is that guy who's going to get shot in 1941 as an old man. You know, so it's ironic that the, his past self is more aware and manipulating events more than his future self. Well, and the other thing, we're so used to people going back in time to fix things that are taking place in their present. And it's, it's really not clear, certainly in the first episode, we, we, we don't know anything about that. We have no clue. Right. But even as we move further along i I, i'm still i'm really looking forward to doing this rewatch and like you i was tempted to watch more than just the first episode but then i thought nah we'll, we'll we'll do it this way because you know you're bringing up things that i had forgotten the specifics of which is is good so uh you know we'll let things Unfold. I would just like to say I I did not go back and watch. I just watched the first episode. Yeah. On this rewatch, so, but it just like so much like came to me as I like thought about it and and everything that um yeah yeah. Now one connection between all four time periods is the exploding of the streetlights. Yeah. And I guess the one thing that surprised me i guess to a point certainly in 2023 those street lights look really old so were they lights that london has left in place from a historical perspective yeah or is it something else i don't want to get too caught up in that but the one thing that obviously we make the connection is that when the street lights all explode that's when a, the body is going through the portal yeah but the one thing that i'm wondering about though is in 1941 when uh, whiteman gets the call to go pick up the body no later i think she says no later than 10 15 and the lights in the precinct are flashing Yet he doesn't go get the body until the nighttime. So I guess what I'm getting at in, in this roundabout way is my thought was the lights explode, the body's through. 
1949, then, are we to believe that the body has, you know, been in? God, I can't think of the name of the lane. Um, uh, uh, Long Harvest Lane. Long Harvest. Lane. Right. So, it are we to believe it's it's been there for several hours until Whiteman gets there in the rain at night? So that that's the only thing that confused me here because I'm assuming the lights flash, body goes through. But right. I could be wrong. I, I mean, I, I think that's how it works. I, I did not really think about that very much or notice that really. So okay. um, just have to keep an eye on that one maybe. Okay. Now, um, why is Syed so scared that he's willing to kill himself? Well, here's the thing. What's the title of this? You're dead already, right? Okay. He knows what's going to happen. He knows he's dead already, right? Everyone's dead. Like, because in a couple days, a big bomb's going to go off and kill everyone. Yeah, but I I guess wouldn't you think, even if you know that, you know, I'll take my chances and live a couple more days and maybe something will happen that the bomb won't go off. You know, instead, he puts the gun under his chin and, yeah, you know, blows his head off. So right. Well, that's the only thing I can imagine because, like, yeah, you're right. Like, why? Why he? You know. But we also know that this organization that Mannix has, you know, put in place since, uh, you know, 1890 has infected all levels of government and society in Britain. And that it is, you know, there is absolutely, I mean, they were without a doubt were able to put fear in him so that he comes to the realization he has no choice but to do what he's told to do. Is the location of Long Harvest Lane significant in ways other than, than we've seen? I don't know about you, but did, did you look along the ground to see if you could see any I, of the names? I, right. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think about it. Till, actually, I didn't even remember that till you just said it right now. Okay. Yeah. And, and I couldn't see anything. So so okay. I, I, I believe they're going to have to like, you know, push some of the dirt away because over time, I guess, um, you know, whether they repaved or, you know, laid more dirt or whatever. Right. But is there something about Long Harvest Lane? I mean, we know we're going to end up with a time loop, right? So yeah. is this the origin of the loop? If so, is it just random that it happened here? Uh, again, we've seen in time travel stories that, well, it's easier to go at this point because the fabric of the universe is weakened at this point. So, I mean, is it something like that? But the other thing, did you notice in 2053 when Maplewood um, gets the call and she goes to long harvest lane and you know, the, the, the area that we're used to finding the body in has these big iron gates. It's chained. You know, she right. gets she gets a crowbar, breaks the thing. But did you notice on the door it says "danger ionizing radiation"? I did. I did not notice that. And she just breaks it and goes in. So, is that just a fake sign? You know, like somebody puts up right. a, a sign in their front yard that says they have an alarm system when they don't. 
<clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think maybe Fred mentioned something about that. That you're right. That's the big difference, right? Well, why? Because well, you know, Manix is now in charge. He knows the significance of that area, right? Even before he knows it, you know. Okay. Now, I would then think that she knows that the sign is really meaningless, or she just can't read. <laughs> you're right, man. <laughs> maybe not that one but yeah right uh but yeah or she just doesn't care right like because i mean from what we you know she doesn't i mean she's got a brother in her life other than that you know is she is she really happy in her in her the society in which she lives yeah she's got a cool car i, I believe it's a renault i'm i'm not positive of that but uh Dude, that's the one thing I, I really notice about a lot of the European uh, police shows. The detectives often have really cool cars. Now, now, granted, in the states, you know, some of the the police force are using Dodge Chargers, which are pretty awesome vehicles. Yeah, yeah them big muscle cars. Yeah, but uh, but but her car, and, and that was a, a interesting scene. And you know, and Fred brings it up in his feedback. You know, when when everything shorts out including her car why doesn't her apparatus on her spine short out so i don't necessarily have a good question i mean we we know that she charges it so you know is it battery operated and did that does that somehow not impacted by whatever this this short was um, you know, Dave, as she you're charged that, you know, the cops in American shows don't really have nice cars. I just have two words to say to you. Those two words are Miami Vice. Well, that's true. <laughs> that is true, dude. And and, and uh, the Tom Selleck show. What was that? Uh, yeah, Magnum P.I. Right. He, he definitely yeah. had a cool car as well. Yeah, yeah. But getting back to Syed for a second, his sister tells Hassan that he seemed to know he was going to end up in that situation in the alley so again is this just uh, mannix telling him or whoever yes. mannix's mouthpiece no, is, is absolutely 100 percent exactly what okay happened, yeah. okay and then it begs the question well how long has syed been working with him right that's that's a good question because he seems to have really bought into the whole know you are loved idea and you know we, we hear it you know multiple times throughout this episode um you know, predominantly through the the phone call which uh, again as we learn later in the series the woman on the other end is actually uh hillingshead's grown daughter if i recall correctly Yes, uh, it's Greta Scacchi. Right, right, right. Who I, I'm going to try to remember from her in the 90s more so. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but, but, you know, but that's one of the things that, you know, not only does this series evolve into time travel, but you get characters, you know, like Hillingshead's daughter, who is a, you know, a teenager, I guess, in the 1890s. And yep. then in 1941, she's she's clearly an adult and we will see hassan in 2053 which you know it, it certainly makes sense it's only a, a 30 year leap and and she's you know what's supposed to be about 30 or so 
in in uh, 2023. So that certainly makes sense. What do you think about Whiteman and his character? Well, he, I you know I I felt throughout that he's the character, despite being like maybe one of the more reprehensible characters in a way, because he is on the take, right? Yeah, he, he is like a dishonest cop, and that is not the case with our other police officers at all. Right, they are all one hundred percent on the level. Uh, with Hillingshead, maybe too much, you know, and actually uh, Hassan as well. Well, maybe the other three, uh, if anything, are, are kind of marked by an overabundance of, of moral fortitude or whatever, whereas, um, you know, him, not so much. But you can't, I can't help but be like, think he's got to be like the coolest character in this show, you know. And by the end of this, I'm really pulling for him more than, than anyone else, except for maybe Hassan, I think. Well. And I mean, this episode is just dripping with irony. I, I, I mean, you have to believe that when the inspector comes to him and says, we think we've got a security problem and we want to put you on the case and, and find out if we have any dirty cops. Now, is that a case of we know you're dirty, so we want to see how you handle it? Are you going to immediately go to your fellow dirty cops or are they really clueless and they just think, you know, he's kind of sketchy. He might be the best way to root out the rats. Right. Or, you know, if you're going to, you know, pick someone who's going to do the unpopular job of trying to, um, you know, dig up dirt on his um, fellow police officers, get the guy who is already like an outsider, the guy who's already, you know, unpopular. Yeah. And, and then with Hillingshead, I mean, basically he, he pulls a Trump, which is to accuse someone else of what he's, and I'm making air quotes, guilty of. I mean, you know, 1890, I'm, I'm, we certainly learn that he will engage in, in uh, an affair with the photographer later on. But the first encounter, he arrests the photographer for, you know, indecency, which in 1890 was a a crime. And up until like 1967. Oh, you're right. 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 That famous British politician that, that I can't think of his name, but, but so knowing this about himself, Alan, Alan Turing as well. Oh, okay. Right. But but knowing his own, you know, predispositions, why does he arrest the photographer? Well, he's, I mean, he's totally in denial. Okay. Okay. His own feelings. I mean, Henry sees it. Like, he knows. Like Absolutely. Right from the start. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, Alfred, Alfie is just uh, in completely in, in denial and, and doing not a great job of of repressing that. Now we see that photo that Henry has taken and it, it certainly appears that it's Mannix, you know, right behind. See, like I, 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 I'm kind of annoyed with myself because I'm pretty sure I completely missed that. The first time ultimately, I mean, eventually we realize, Oh yeah, Stephen Graham is that guy. And he's also plays the guy in the future. And I, I can't remember if we find out, 
I feel like we don't find out the same. You know, like we we see him in the future and we see him in the past. And I, I don't think I thought he was like the exact same guy at first. You know, um, but but they clearly. No, I totally caught that now because we see uh, Mannix in the picture of in Henry's picture, and then uh, later we see Stephen Graham with his picture being um, projected onto the wall in 2053. Right, and again, one of the problems I guess with time travel and time loops is knowing whether or not we're dealing with linear time here. Because on the one hand, we know we're not because right. we know Mannix is, is going back in time. So, but, but he's going on the assumption that time is linear though, right? Well, he's right. He's like, I, can, I go back in time, I change everything and bring us up to this point, right? Right. And Which from his knowledge has already been done. Right, it gives you like the confidence that you're going to be successful because we, I mean, obviously it's it's done, it's a done deal. We're here. The bomb went off in 2023, you know, and I'm here, and I'm I just now this is for him. This is the end of it, right? Right. Now you know, in the uh, 1890 sequence, the medical examiner recognizes the man in the photograph clearly even though he denies it yeah well he's just like immediately like that you don't you just drop drop this right now right or you're dead already yeah and 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 again the the title of the episode you know kind of transcends all four time periods you know maybe in in 2053 we don't have as clear a picture yet but um, but you're right, like all of these people, except for um, Maplewood, they are already dead. Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Now, is the medical examiner in on it? Does he clearly he recognizes right Mannix, but does he know him? Is he part of the cabal that? you know is is behind all of this we don't we don't know well but he he reacts with fear not with like anger or or violence you know so i would say he's not really yeah and, and you know what what just came to me as you were saying that when he opens up the skull which was alternately really cool and really disturbing yeah. there's stuff to watch yeah but the fact that there's no bullet and there's no exit wound if he was in on everything that wouldn't have surprised him. And he looked genuinely surprised as opposed yeah. to, you know, just like covering up for uh, it. I knew it. No bullet, no exit wound. Right. Just like I thought. Right. Because obviously he could have dealt with things differently and told Hillingshead anything. And, and right. Hillingshead would probably have no reason to doubt him. So what's the deal with the bullet? And the exit wounds. I mean, well, I mean, Gabe is shot right. as he goes through the the portal, um, and I guess because you know he's naked, so I, this is seems to be like a Terminator type thing where when you go back in time, you don't bring anything but your birthday suit and uh, a little tattoo on your arm. Right. So is the idea that he goes through at the exact moment the bullet enters 
Yeah. His skull, okay. And and so it technically never did exit. It just probably right. drops to the floor it and disappears whenever he gets body gets shot okay. into all these different times. Okay. So so obviously the big question we've got is well why is the dude in 2053 alive when all the other ones were dead? And That's a good question. I can't remember. I, I mean, I know that there was th- that they explained it. We figured it out, but I can't remember why he temporarily he dies soon thereafter. Right. So uh, I would say spoilers after that, but that's kind of like the idea. If, <laughs> if you've been listening this far already and you haven't seen the rest of it, I'm sorry, but we have just basically spoiled the entire series for you. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, well, I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'm not sorry because we told you right at the beginning. Why are you still listening? Right. We've been telling you for weeks. Um, uh, so what else? Well, you know, the Elias, right? Like the, the one, the shot before they know who he is, when they, um, they, they pick him up on the camera at the mall, right? Right. Because Hassan figures out, wait, there's two coffee cups. Here. Right. It means he was talking to someone else. So they run it back. And he's looking directly into the camera. Like, he's not trying to hide himself. Like, here, here's who I am. Here's, come come get me, right? Um, and this is the part where I, I can't remember whether he's, like, kind of in on it. or I don't think he was. I, I think the group has been keeping him isolated from, from their machinations and everything. Um, but, yeah, like, the, this, that looking right into the camera, not even hiding himself – uh, totally showing him. I guess he must have because, like, well, he must right know he was, the cameras go, yeah. going to look at him because, like, again, you know, everything's but already he, happened, right? He has all those recordings that he made, recorded of himself, right? Right. That that he um, so he knows what he's got to do, when he's got to do it, and everything. I don't know. There's one thing. It's it's as you said before. It's like I'm like as I was watching this. I was like, oh, I can't remember exactly what that is and who that is and everything. And I'm like, you know what? That's that's okay. You know, like that's that's good because then um, as I rewatch it, I get to kind of like, you know, relive some of that stuff a little bit as, as we go. Well, his his progeny are are the I don't know what they're like DCIs, I guess. That in in every, no, I mean not 1890, but his. Well, his it's his uh, his son, right? Is the the dude in 1941, and then uh, Barber in 2023 is also some distant uh, relative of I can't remember what exactly it was, but he he is a descendant also of of Mannix. Well, the other one and I can't. Re- he's and then he's his Elias is Barber's son, right? Yeah. So his descendant is also his father, and he goes back in time and has children with his like great great grandmother, which is kind of icky. So yeah, there's this whole thing, you know, boils down to know you are love, right? That ends up being his, you know, forgive my raison d'être, right? It's like why I know I just butchered that, but this is like why he does what he does, uh, because he's as a kid he he wasn't loved, 
and uh, there's that moment that you know where he goes to see his mother and and she won't come to the door. That basically leads him directly, you know, uh, pushing the button to have the bomb go off. This whole thing, this whole reworking of society, this everything is all because of this boy who just wants to be loved. Um, the, what I was remembering when Whiteman in 1941 is in the alleyway and he sees that young girl and he starts to go after her, but then, you know, he stops. And then of course we, we meet her later on. Yeah. Right. So She's play an important role. Right. So, uh, so, so that was cool that I'm not sure I, I mean, I'm sure I noticed it the first time, uh, and I, but I almost missed it this time. But um, all right, what else? One scene I really liked a lot was when uh, Whiteman has just put the body into the the trunk of his car, and the uh, the Luftwaffe is now flying over. And bombs are dropping, and at that point, you're like, "So what for him is the greater danger? Right, getting hit by a bomb." Or being discovered with a body in the back of this car. Yeah, that's you a know. good point. That, that, that is a good point. And we have to, un, you know, we were talking a few minutes ago, and I brought up um, why the inspector would appoint Whiteman. You know, does he suspect him? Well, clearly. Well, no, but, but, but again, like we know because. Right. Is, he follows him. Right. Yeah. Well, you're right. He, oh, he, right. Whiteman is. He is directing Whiteman just as Barber in 2023 is directing Hassan to do what she needs to do to carry out the overall plan. The same way that the guy in, in 1941 who is uh, Mannix's son is, you know, basically directing White, which the irony is he's directing him to what is eventually going to lead to Whiteman killing his father and his mother, both his parents, actually. But I don't know if they've clued him in on that because I don't know if he would actually help him so much if he knew that the end game was was both of them dying. Or does he not know that? Actually, you know, maybe that's the one thing that uh, Manix doesn't know, right? I'm not like sure. How, but I guess, but I guess in the future he could certainly have looked up and found out how he died, and Whiteman was executed for it. So yeah, he does know, right? He does know that Whiteman. So they're directing Whiteman down this path that's going to lead him to killing Mannix and Polly. Oh, that's weird, man. Yeah. Wow. That's the first time I thought of that one. That's crazy. Because they must have known. He must have known, right? He certainly is a big wig in the future. He looked up how Elias Mannix died back in 1941. You would think. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anything else? I don't know. That that's, that was a pretty heavy thought. I just j- dropped on there, Dave. I don't know if I can okay. go on from there. All right. Well, speaking of heavy thoughts, why don't we transfer over to listener feedback? Sounds good. All right. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the miniseries Bodies, Season 1, Episode 1. First off, what am I watching? So I finished the series we talked about the last two podcasts, Dave. Absolute beginners. I liked it very much. 
Um, I watched something due to watching this series, and that's actually Pulp Fiction. Because the main characters in Absolute Beginners are copycatting, more or less, Mrs. Wallace and Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction. I watched that film, finally. I never watched it, and I liked it, although I'm not so much into the Quentin Tarantino goriness of his uh, filming. Nevertheless, I watched Onward, because in Pulp Fiction, Uma Truman is, of course, one of the lead characters, and I know her from the epic genetic film Gattaca, And there I liked her a lot. So I started to watch the two Kill Bill movies from 2003 and 2004. Pulp Fiction, by the way, is from 1994. And although the goriness is even much worse in Kill Bill, I still liked the three movies, including the Kill Bill movies. But that's mainly due to David Carradine, who is in it, and Uma Truman. And not to forget Lucy Liu. And that whole thing was all caused by your tip about Absolute Beginners, Dave. Talking about what am I watching, I updated my list of what am I watching, including the list of all the series I stopped temporarily and I should watch on. Although I have to admit that list gets longer and longer. And I saw you already saw it, Dave. Okay, let's go into bodies. One thing I didn't realize in my first watching is that actually all our four police officers are a kind of members of a minority. Starting with Sahara Asan being a police woman of color of a Hindustani background in 2023. Sergeant Charles Whiteman or Weisman, in 1941, being of Jewish descent. Inspector Alfred Hillinghead, in 1890, being a gay person. And Iris Maplewood, in 2053, being a disabled person. I actually wonder if the makers did this on purpose and what their goal is with this, if so. Okay, let's start with the nitpick. When Inspector Maplewood in the end scenes is arriving in the area and this electrical surge is there and is causing her car to stop, why isn't she paralyzed? Because I think her spine, her her support on her spine is also something electrical. She even has to charge it. But okay, that is what we will know from a next episode. I mean, the charging thing. Long Harvest Lane, by the way, in 2053 is completely closed. Because Commander Mannix is the boss in that world, it's perhaps logical that that whole area is sealed. Whereas the direct surroundings are fully newly built or renovated. I think in this first episode it was very intriguing that something likewise happened in four time periods. It immediately made it an interesting series for me. It gave me a crossroad feeling between dark and peripheral. And as watchers of the series Sex Education, which you both are, we recognize Kanal Kular as an actor who plays Sayed Tahir here, the young kid that Sahara meets in the alley. 
but uh, he is already dead after one episode, so he probably won't be further in this series. Another actor we possibly recognize is Amy Manson, who plays the wife of Alfred Hellinghead. She played a crucial role in The Nevers. Knowing the rest of the series, we know what the role of Barber will be, and I carefully looked if there were any signals already that he would have a 180 turn later, but I couldn't notice anything. He is actually a quite supportive supervising officer of Sahara. I have a question for you. Which time period do you find, after just seeing this first episode, being the most interesting? And of course, why? Of course, 2053 is interesting for its sci-fi elements. 1890 I find interesting because of the more primitive investigation possibilities they have at that time and how Hillinghead is doing his job. But I think I will go for the 1941 era as my favorite after this first episode because it's the most mysterious one in the sense of that we have that lady that we see on the back who is instructing Charles Whiteman. Okay, that will be all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Hello to Dave, Wayne and everyone at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Alan from England here, entirely with feedback about bodies. We start in 2023 with Hassan who's on a jog. I've walked over that bridge in London a few times, but I haven't done a 10-kilometer run. Sadly, about a month ago, some far-right English nationalists did indeed cause similar trouble as we see on the screen there. I'm not sure they had a knight on a horse. I thought at first that had time-traveled from the Crusades of the 1200s, but that wasn't the case. Streetlights explode. We see the 2023 body, eye-missing, Symbolic tattoo, which is strange enough the first time. Then we wind back to 1941, 82 years earlier, in a simple but quite powerful effect, slowly ticking back at first and accelerating back in time. We see Charlie, complete with pencil-thin moustache, looking like the classic Spiv from the 1940s. Spiv meeting a trader in illicit or rationed goods, looking very much like a character from the 1970s comedy Dad's Army, set also in World War II. Then we see here's a policeman. Is it Whiteman or is it Weissman? Anti-Jewish feelings weren't only present in World War Germany, of course, and had been all over Europe for hundreds of years. Whiteman handles those uh, accusations quite deftly, but then that call rattles him, and we see the first expression of the slogan, Know You Are Loved. Plus, there's mention of a body. Is that connected to the 2023 body? Seems like it is. Same injury, tattoo, everything. Split screen, presses home, it's the same street, just in case we weren't sure. Then we click back all the way to 1890, 51 years earlier. Third time period, third detective, third light bulb moment, third body. Interesting on the rewatch to see the tension or attraction between these two, a healing head and Ash which I completely didn't pick up on the first time. Abruptly, we're in 2023. Hassan knows the procedure at least as well as her boss does. Then we get a split time, split screen, 2023 stroke 1890, which works pretty well. With the body, there is no exit wound, no bullet, 
Of course, we now know that's because the bullet didn't travel back in time from whenever it happened. Back in 1941, Whiteman investigates the same body and then is spotted by that girl, which becomes more important later. We also see the Luftwaffe dropping Chekhov bombs on London. Farrell presses even more his anti-Jewish agenda, and then he's taken out by a bomb from Hitler. Now that's irony. In fact, someone should be awarded the Irony Cross for Irony. 2023, it's party time, or at least until Hassan's boss turns up, wanting her to contact the sister of the youth with the gun. He pushes this by mentioning that otherwise police might get trigger-happy with anyone wearing a backpack. That references a real-life incident after 2007 suicide bombings, where police did indeed shoot dead some guy from Brazil with no apparent reason, except he was foreign-looking with a backpack. This boss knows indeed about what I'm going to call the whole situation. I don't think we get his name yet. Well, it is Barber, but I only got that because I had subtitles on. Yes, I've got the subtitles on again. Sometimes my eye picks up things that my ears don't. Through this conversation with the sister, Alia, and we get the first hint of some kind of fate or prescience going on, as apparently her brother knew this was going to happen. Then Hassan sees the completely central character of Elias, but of course we don't know anything about him at that point. Back to 1890, Ash answers the door to Hillinghead. Thank you, subtitles. One photo shows the mysterious character of Harker, whom we come to know. Others show men in uh, compromising situations, and I'm pretty much in agreement with Hillinghead, who says, well, why take a photo of it if it's so incriminating and illegal in that day? Back in 1941, Whiteman realises he's left his rather incriminating lighter at the scene, but luckily he's put in charge of investigating that, so he can quite easily retrieve that lighter, and then when the body is discovered, Whiteman gets another call. The mysterious voice is not happy. 2023 gets a call. Syed is waiting. He says everything they said would happen has. Now, I take issue with this, as I did with the suicide of Michael in Dark, where he finds out he is supposed to hang himself and then says, oh, okay then. I'd feel a big sense of, F you, I won't do what you tell me, unless the consequences of not carrying out the action were horrendous to maybe to friends or family. There's no sign of that here. Although just because we don't see it doesn't mean it wasn't threatened behind the scenes. Back in 1890, Hillinghead isn't getting much support from that pathologist or indeed anybody else. 2023, Hassan is in the pub and we can see Hillinghead in that old photo on the wall. Hassan is scribbling that slogan repeated from Syed, Know You Are Loved. CCTV picks up young Elias. Then, Click, 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 click. We're into 2053. I loved how that indicator hovered and hovered and then slowly started to click. And you thought, where are we going next? Uh, Commander Mannix, who of course later we come to know as somebody else, displaying on the wall like a kind of big brother. Another detective, Maplewood. What a severe haircut that is. Another light bulb, another body in Long Harvey's Lane. I'm not quite sure if she or I were the more surprised when he suddenly wasn't dead. That was a good ending. Take care. Alan from England. All right. Well, first with Fred. Um, yeah, I don't want to say, Fred, I'm surprised you never saw Pulp Fiction. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's the kind of movie that, yeah, all right, maybe somebody watches it for, you know, their cultural awareness because it's, it, it is such an iconic film. But I know you don't like violence that much. 
But dude, Fred really went down the rabbit hole yeah. <laughs> after that. Kill Bill, both, uh, both Kill Bills, I think he said. Um, yeah. Fred, yeah. does this qualify as binging? He's only, he's only a step away from uh, Inglorious Bastards, which I highly recommend. Right. Uh, Django Unchained is, I think, maybe Quentin Tarantino's best movie. I don't know. Have you not seen Reservoir Dogs, though? Oh, <laughs> like, dude, like, Fred, if you're going to watch Tarantino, you got you got to start with Reservoir Dogs. Right. And, 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 is... and the cool thing, you know, you, you guys have heard Wayne and I talk many times about how we both uh, coached uh, for our high school in, in different sports. And they built a new school. Well, it's probably been about 10 years now. And they were going to call it Re- Reservoir. And, and they were soliciting ideas for nicknames. Now the dogs, oh, they should have right. They should have absolutely the reservoir dogs. They had such an opportunity there, right? And uh, just blew it. I think, went with gators. I, <laughs> I think we pretty much had zero to less than zero chance they were going to go with dogs. Yeah, um, right. but Fred asks which time period we find most interesting, and he says forty-one. What is it for you? I agree. I, I, I as I said, Whiteman. I think really from early on, um, I found the most compelling character. And so I got to go with 41 as well. Okay. I guess I find Iris so compelling in 53 that I, I'm going to go with 53. And, and granted, we see very little of 2053 in this episode. But that whole idea of this dictator, I, I mean, I don't think that's an over exaggeration of what you know Mannix has become in in 2053 so uh you know the fact that his image is you know on the side of walls yeah. projected uh, i'm sure all over the city probably again we don't know how wide a span you know he controls and that's one thing we often talk about in sci-fi where you know, we're, we're kind of limited to this specific area and we wonder, well, what's it like in the rest of the world? We never yeah, hear right. about that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like dark, right. We were asking that all the time. Right. So like, we're like, what, 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 like there was just, uh, there was a Paris, right? Yeah. There was a France. Like that's all we really knew that there was a France out there somewhere because that's where, um, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Jonas <laughs> went for, uh, you know, or whatever. So yeah. this is, while we're at it, you mentioned Stephen Graham there as as Elias Manx and everything. And that leads me to another movie recommendation that probably, Fred, you, you probably wouldn't like it, but I love this movie. It's called, uh, it's a Guy Ritchie film called Snatch. Uh, and it's Stephen Graham, a much younger Stephen. It's from like the, the 90s, I think. Um, Brad Pitt and everything. Maybe from the aughts. I don't know. Late 90s, early aughts, whatever. Um, but he plays uh, this guy Tommy, and every time I see him, I just think because there's the one uh, his his partner calls him Tommy the Tit. <laughs> so every time I see Stephen Graham, I just think Tommy the Tit, you know, and everything. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he's he's just uh, a really good actor, and I think probably I mean he it looks like he is massive over in England. I really just remember him from from Snatch and from Bodies. But you look at his IMDb page; he's been in tons of stuff and everything. So, and obviously, his performance is central to the, to to this. Yeah. 
Now, Alan, I'm glad I wasn't the only one thrown off by the Knights Templar at, at that um, you know, white nationalist rally. Now, Alan brings up paying attention to the opening title sequence and can't do it yeah i mean i was paying attention but i wasn't paying attention i'm not ready i'm not ready to pay attention yet during the title sequence i mean it goes back to like fringe and the little slides in between scenes yeah. where they'd have the image and the little dot and uh, yeah. no i'm not i'm not going yeah. down. E- even when we like after we had like the the key to that it just became no too much work to figure out what word they're spelling out so yeah yeah so i think alan says that that he really has that's pretty cool though well it is absolutely um anything about alan's feedback or anything with fred's that that you want to bring up um well uh, fred mentions just um that uh the the guy who played syed was in sex education oh yeah right 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 but don't forget about Jacob Fortune Lloyd, who plays Whiteman, who was Sean. And um, that's tough to catch because I can't – He, I, I, I would put out that Jacob Fortune Lloyd as Whiteman is almost indistinguishable from Sean in Sex Education. Like the voice to me is different. He's a completely different character, looks different, walks different, uh, just everything. It's just – um, he, his estimate, his, his value as an actor went way up in my eyes. Once I realized who he was, I didn't even realize until I looked up on IMDb. I'm like, Holy, Oh my God, that is Sean. Oh my God. Like that's such a, just a transformation. It's awesome. Yep. So, all right, Fred, Alan, thank you guys so much. Awesome feedback as always. I'm just going to go a, I, I just thought it was a great yeah. first episode. Yeah, absolutely. Fabulous. First episode. Uh, you know, it's one of those ones you wish you could kind of go back and watch it for the first time again, because I just remember watching it at this point. I'm like, all right, I have no clue what's going on whatsoever. Now, you know, I hope, I hope they tell me by the end of this, but right now I, I like it, but I don't have a slightest idea what's going on. Right. And, and the only thing that bothers me, you know, obviously the comparisons to dark are inevitable, but once I read the showrunner of bodies say that now this is pretty much it. We never really intended to go beyond one season. Yeah. AKA the source material. Yeah. Now, I mean, look, it certainly won't be the first time a series continued where it had to create new source material. Yeah. And that's Uh, not always a great thing. I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) with dark, we we kind of got the sense that all right, there's going to be a second season. I, I I think after season one of Dark, it really hadn't sunk in yet. The way Netflix gives a show a second season and then just drops the axe. So yeah. you, you know, I think with Dark, I, I don't know. I was I was just filled with a lot more optimism moving forward, and you know, not that that's going to take anything away from bodies. Well, I guess I'm saying it kind of is taking something away from bodies, but, but you know, like just the fact that you, you go into it knowing that you're going to start a story. And then when you're done, you're going to end it kind of. Yeah. (laughs) There is a big question mark at the end of this thing, but um, you know, like I like that, right? Like they're not trying to get, 
four or five seasons out of it. They just want their, you know, what, eight episodes, six, seven, how many episodes are in You know, I said six earlier, but it might be eight. I can't remember. I think it might be eight. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, you know, like they have a plan, right? They have a plan for the beginning, the middle, the end. And at the end of it, we're going to have told the story. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, like Damon that. Lindelof. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there before uh, one of us says something we regret about a show that Damon Lindelof may or may not have been involved with. But uh, anyway, that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Bodies, you know, Ragnarok, which we just finished. Hey, do you ever want to see us do another movie? Uh, after that discussion, yeah. probably not. But uh, join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about episode two of the Netflix sci-fi thriller Bodies. But until then. So, Dave, you know, I actually, you should be careful of what documents you share on Google Docs because I saw the ideas that you were brainstorming for the new motto for this show. And the one, I don't know if I care for this one. I believe it's number three, which reads, um, I'd pay extra if he'd shut up for five minutes. What's up with that? (laughs) 